Hello there. Welcome to the third episode of Video Night, the podcast all about the movies you love from the 80s and the VHS era movies. My name is Jerry, and with me tonight, we uh, have Mr. Robin Lapine. Hey, everyone. And joining us again, we have Kevin Bradford. Hey, what's up, everyone? And Mr. Rob Paul. What's happening, people? Woo! We are back again. So we had uh, Kevin and Rob on with us last time, and they liked it so much they came back. So we love that. Love to have uh, all our buddies get together and talk crap about movies. So um, how you doing, fellas? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yourself? Everybody loves the sequel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Family day. Family day. It is family day here in Canada. Well, happy family day. So um, I guess we'll start off with uh, what we're drinking tonight. It looks like we're into some different things. Unfortunately, I'm only drinking a uh, delicious uh, 2022 Fresca. Oh. <laughs> good vintage. Good vintage. It's, it's a good vintage. It was a good year for Fresca. Um, the Fresca grapes came in really nicely. So, yeah. Uh, Robin, what are you into? I'm drinking a bold nose of caramel dried fruit, citrus, and berry, leading up to full flavored of pepper, earth, herb, and tropical fruit. Actually, it's the uh, Alberta Premium Cast Strength uh, whiskey. <laughs> whiskey. I, I just read what it said from the uh, the bottle, but honestly, I didn't taste any of those. Honest to God. And a, with a spice and cocoa on a warm lingering finish oh christ see holy i know right i don't get any of that stuff i don't, I don't know either something i don't know if it's something with me or like i don't taste anything like that in wine or whiskey or whatever if somebody just put out a whiskey bottle and said taste like whiskey yeah oh wait wait up. guys yeah guys i just got a, i just got a lingering taste of uh leather sorry <laughs> That's more like it, yeah. <clears throat> being uh, being over here in Alberta, I can guarantee you nobody talks like that. If no, exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine. So I'm, I'm drinking whiskey tonight, boys. Kev, I got, uh, what do you got going? Or Rob, what do you got going? Oh, sorry. I got an imported premium malt lager, otherwise known as Heineken. Nice. Uh, <laughs> fancy. <laughs> fancy. Yeah. Get $0.10 cents bottle for a refund in Quebec? The hell? What? Yeah, yeah. I'm totally yeah, yeah. getting gypped off it this way. At the Dépanneur. Is yeah. that what it is? Ten oh, cents. Yeah. I got a dip in there, Jerry. <laughs> Kev, what are you drinking? Oh. Anything special? Uh, no, just a couple of Coors banquets. Oh, that's special enough. Like one in each hand, or <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I really want to think that. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's happening. My man. <laughs> oh God, we're off to a great start. So, yeah. oh yeah. Um, tonight we're going to do something a little bit different, uh, or something, episode three, how can we do something a little bit different is freaking episode three. Um, we're going to try to break a movie down, one single movie, uh, that we've all watched, which helped, which is helpful, uh, and break it down into, uh, well, we're going to go by scene by scene and, and give our overall thoughts on, uh, a very special piece of, uh, cinematic history. Wow. That's the stretch, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, we haven't even said the movie yet, but uh, okay. How about we let the the audience guess the movie? I'm going to give you a tagline: "The Crying Game meets Friday the Thirteenth." No, 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 it doesn't. The Crying Game. It's, meets it's Friday just Crying Game. 
my god, that, that, that took me a second to strike. <laughs> that's, anyway, exactly, that's exactly what it is. That is the, the best. Game. That is the best description of this movie that I've ever heard. Yeah. Anyway, Try you guys have a great week. Pod's <laughs> <laughs> over. I can't stop that. I'm done. I'm out of here. Have a good week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll let you take over, Jerry. So tonight we're going to do uh, a deep dive on uh, a 1983 movie that I had seen before. And I probably saw when, again, I may have mentioned before, I see, uh, I've seen a lot of movies that I probably shouldn't have seen when I was uh, a kid. So I didn't see it in 1983, but I probably saw it in 1984 or in 85. And um, yeah, again, not shouldn't have done that. So um, <laughs> the movie we're talking about is a slasher movie called Sleep Away Camp. And it was, uh, like I said, it was released in 1983. Uh, written and directed by Robert Hiltzik. Uh, I have no idea who that is, and I don't know if he's done anything else. Uh, I don't think he did any of the other Sleepaway Camp movies. Probably not. Or did he? I think there was like four or five, but he only did the fourth one, which was called uh, Return to Sleepaway Camp. Oh, he did the fourth one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 20 and years his, later. Yeah, Very 20 odd. years later, and his three daughters were in it. Re- oh, geez, nepotism. Well, he's probably looking for people to cast it. Right? <laughs> True yeah, he started, I think, in 2003, but it took five years. They wanted to do some digital effects and stuff and budget, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, go figure, low-budget slasher film needs yeah. more money, but it took five years for it to be released direct-to-video, I believe. I don't know. There were some pretty good effects on Sleepaway Camp that have pretty much scarred me for the entire rest of my life. I, I, like, I can't look we'll into that. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking of budget, this wasn't this one was made for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. If wow. you can believe that, so I, I can think, believe it. Yeah, <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you could probably believe it. Um, How much was the rental of the camp for the week? About three hundred. Two eighty five. Boys, we got fifty thousand dollars for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah, you're getting lake water and craft dinner. That's it. Uh, so I think they did, a, we'll get to the effects. I think they did a fairly good job with the amount of money they had. Um, so the stars, I, I use that term loosely, um, Felissa Rose, uh, Jonathan Tierston and Karen Fields. I know Felissa Rose has really embraced, uh, the role. She played Angela in the, the film. That sounds pretentious. Uh, the movie, <laughs> um, but she's really embraced that role and has, um, you know, go, she still goes to Comic Cons and and is very well known for uh, for the role. So you know, as low budget and campy and you know horribly acted in you know most of the movie this this movie was, uh, we'll get into why this certain film had a, you know a big impact on on the genre and on you know some even social issues and stuff. So we'll. We'll get to all that later. So who hadn't seen the movie before? I had not seen the movie uh, until this last week. Okay. So it just did, didn't pop up on your radar, or are you just kind of actively avoiding it? No, it it, um, it it never even crossed into the realm of my radar. I had never even heard, thought, or... I, I can't even explain it. No, it, it just wasn't even there. I okay. never saw it when I was 10, and... 
probably should have never saw it when I was 48. <laughs> so, so none of your friends are talking about this crazy movie that they saw on VHS and you should see it. We're talking about it now. Well, sure. It only took, yeah, 38 years to get there. Uh, Robin, did you, have you seen it before? I've seen this when I was 14 years old and I've seen it on RCA LaserDisc. Actually, it wasn't even LaserDisc. It was called VideoDisc at the time. I remember. It came, it came in a, like a plastic shell. And yep. it, I remember we rented it from a furniture store where I lived what? because they were, they were, they were selling, they were selling the, uh, the actual machines. Ah. So they, they rented them as well. The, uh, the machines and the, uh, these discs. And I remember going home with that movie plus, uh, creep show. Oh, much yeah. better movie. I know. But, uh, that's, that's when I was exposed to it. Creep show, creep show could be in the in the uh, discussion which we should have of uh, sequels that are better than the originals. Yes, that, I, that's I true. Think creep show two was a yep. much better movie. I agree. Yep. Anyways, I've seen it before it was even on VHS or basically another media other than VHS. Right. And Rob, you'd seen you'd seen it before, right? Oh, multiple times in the eighties. Like you, I should probably have never watched it. No, and had way more questions than answers, and to this day probably still have way more questions than answers. But uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> well, maybe oh, yeah. we can we can answer some of those questions, uh, or not, or not. So, uh, if if for the uninitiated, I won't give away. Safe to say, the end of this movie is cuckoo bonkers bananas. No one ever saw it coming, and that's probably why this movie keeps popping up in people's lists of slasher movies from the eighties. General synopsis is a young girl and her brother have a horrible boat accident when they're kids and their father is killed in the boat accident and a time jump happens and we meet a young boy and his cousin Angela and they go off to a sleepaway camp full of miscreants and jerks and pedophiles and whoever dregs of society you can think of they're all seem to be at this camp and murders start to happen and we never quite see who the murderer is but we kind of know who the murderer is and it all culminates into a very bizarre uh shocking culmination at the end of the film we'll get there i promise well put thank you <laughs> okay so let's break this piece of shit down <laughs> okay so the credit sequence rolls and there's a pan you know many pan shots of an empty summer camp which we see is camp arawak and it's for sale so we assume that the intro is after the events of the movie so we cut to a family uh on a boat uh, with two of the most new york kids you've ever heard in your life uh, and two of the worst actors in the history of film are in a motorboat towing a very reluctant water skier. Uh, the kids end up pushing their dad into the water and they flip the boat and the, the, the motorboat twins, you know, they proceed to run over the dad and the girl freaks out in the water and she screams for in an inordinate amount of time. So what do you guys think of the opening here? Is it, does it set the scene? Are you confused by what's going on? What's, what's up? I actually thought the motorboat portion uh, was the, the movie was showing quite a bit of promise. I was like, all right, this is something I might be able to get into. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. I must say when the, 
the the girl that was on the uh, the skis started screaming her head off, and the look of the uh, the boyfriend on the beach or whoever it was on the beach, the look he had, plus the girl losing her her mind screaming at the uh, from from the skis. I yep. that's when everything kind of went uh, haywire. Okay, for me, no, I I knew at that point it was going to get worse. It was on. It was on. Game on. Yeah, I don't know how they didn't see it coming. Not to be critical of somebody, but if you wanted the boat to stop, would it not have been easier just to let go of the rope? Well, something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the boat would have st- they would have been like, damn it, we got to go back and get her. <laughs> it reminded me, and I don't know if you guys have seen Friday the 13th Part 5, um, but Rob for sure has. And there's one scene at the end, towards the end of the movie, spoiler alert, when uh jason in quotes is run over by a tractor tractor yeah uh driven by reggie the reckless and it's the slowest death since deadpool ran over the guy with a zamboni like uh, you know (laughs) uh, how could you not get away from a tractor that's going five miles an hour and he's just standing there oh my god i'm going to take this tractor on right now what about Ken trying to get away from the roller in a Fish Called Wanda? Exactly. Ken. Maybe it was inspired. Ken coming to kill me. Oh, yeah. That's a whole new podcast right there. Fish Called Wanda. Write it down. Yeah. Yeah. Put that one. Okay. So that sets the scene. Dad's killed. We're not quite sure what happens to the kids. And a girl freaks out. So next scene is there's an eight year time jump. And we meet Richard, uh, whose his name is Richard, but everyone calls him Rick towards uh, for the rest of the movie. Uh, his cousin, Angela, and Rick's friggin weird mother, Martha, who's probably on drugs. If if she's not, I can't imagine why she's so over the top weird at the beginning of the film. Um, you know, was it the way the actress approached the role and the director was fine with it? I don't know. It's one of the weirdest performances I've ever seen. Um, well, I was just going to say it's her only performance. I don't think she's done anything outside of uh, this one or any of the sequels. I think she stayed within the whole franchise. Well, I can't imagine she won any awards for this. Uh, she's like Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka on Coke. Like, she's just crazy oh it's the single most heavily overacted uh performance i've ever seen i think she was probably a a parent of one of the cast members or the extras and she's like oh no i'll do it for free i've i've acted before i don't know what you guys my observation when i seen her was like Wee herman snow white what a little bit of perry farrell had a kid (laughs) (laughs) seriously go back and watch it and do a side by side (laughs) perry farrell from jane's addiction right there Big time. May, may, it may be Perry himself. Who knows? Wow. <laughs> Astute. Deep, that's a deep, deep dive. Yeah. That is. That was my observation. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. So I, I totally forgotten about her, to be honest. I can't quite believe that I forgot her character. Uh, just ridiculous. So Martha mentions she's a doctor and yeah. gives Richard his physical form for camp. And she tells him not to mention where he got it. And again, it's super weird. And they never bring it up again. Uh, and I don't know why. So we arrive at the camp and we see the fitness counselor. Uh, is it Ronnie? <laughs> there was two oh, guys, Ronnie and Gino yeah. in this movie. And I, they're kind of interchangeable. So we meet the fitness counselor, Ronnie and Mel, uh, who's the owner, presumably with a cigar, the ever present cigar. Uh, yeah, he's the owner. 
and he's just yelling at these kids like get off the bus hustle go 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 and i'm not sure why um just get off the bus and go to your cabins i'm not sure why everyone had to run uh the kitchen staff is there and they seem to be stock full of pedophiles now i'm not even going to mention what one of them calls the young girls running by just barf uh yeah so that guy can die anytime now uh richard or rick i guess we'll call him rick for now on rick meets paul who's his buddy and he introduces him to angela who's really really super shy and paul talks about judy who rick went steady with and has uh bloomed since last summer so we see judy talking to so much older guys and she kind of brushes rick off so judy goes to the girls cabin and we meet meg m-e-g meg and Susie. I guess they're the kind of head counselors to kind of seem a little older than the other kids. So Angela sits on her bed creepily staring at Judy and Judy and Meg are cold, but Susie seems uh, nice to Angela. So what do you guys think of uh, the, the staff, I guess? Well, I can say that uh, if you're ever at a summer camp and there's a girl with a name on her shirt, you can pretty much tell she's the bitch. <laughs> Oh, I'm talking I about Judy. I had a Judy. note about that later. Me too. Oh, yeah, the self-labeled Judy shirt. shirt. With, with Judy written on Judy. it in, in those velour, like, iron-on letters from the 80s. Judy. That's right, that you get at the kiosk in the mall. Yeah, you can literally feel the letters with your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and uh, yeah, Mel is a piece of work. Now, I've seen that guy before. Um, that actor, I can't remember his name. Um, I looked him up and he was in a bunch of old like war movies and, and I'd seen him many, many times before, but I, I, I don't remember, I didn't remember him in this role. I didn't make a note of it. I'll look it up. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's, I've seen, definitely seen him before and Artie, who is the, uh, yeah, I guess he's the cook or one of the cooks. And Ugh. yeah, he is the grossest person in, in cinema history. Mill is played by uh, Mike Kellen, yep. who was also in, if you remember, a movie called Mid- Midnight Express. Yeah. He was in that. Right. He was in, a, he was in Jazz Singer as well. Yes. Another movie I missed. Uh, I don't think I've seen it. Okay, so next scene is uh, they're in the mess hall and Meg... Uh, and Ronnie wearing the tightest friggin' ball hugger Adidas shorts ever uh, talks to Angela and he's, you know, they're kind of concerned that she hasn't eaten anything since she got there. Uh, I don't know how much time has passed. It's probably not enough to be concerned, is it? It's about three hours. Okay, so she hasn't eaten in two hours and they're really concerned for her welfare? <laughs> yeah. No word about dehydration though, eh? It just... Yeah. yeah it, it didn't. It didn't seem... To flow with the movie, it just have you eaten anything? No, no, right. Just, like, I did, it seemed like they, they just got there. And I had more all... of a problem with the Daisy Duke shorts than the uh, the diet of the uh, child. That's um, who's Daisy Duke shorts? Who's Daisy <laughs> all Duke the men, shorts? all the guys, all the guys? <laughs> the, I read the crowd, I read the many, when, I was, when I was doing research. Oh, yeah. So, when I was doing a little bit of research for this movie. Uh, and again, we'll get to the whole thing later about yeah, the, okay. um, the stuff, but there's a, there's a lot of, uh, kind of homophobic or, um, just homosexual, homoerotic Under, undertones. Uh, sexual undertones. Yeah. Yes. In this movie, yeah. not so much, not so much female sexuality. No, 
it's all like kind of this homoerotic um, imagery in the yeah. movie. And it's mostly with what the guys are wearing. That's right. Um, and uh, we'll get to another scene later. But, you know, in this movie, it, 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 this scene in particular, Ronnie comes out and and I know it's 1983 and, you know, shorts were kind of like that. But I didn't wear shorts that tight. <laughs> I Come don't on, think Jerry. I did. I'm going to ask a few friends around uh, town there when you're in out, out east. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I, I hear what you're saying. I totally hear what you're saying. And, you know, you look at these 80s uh, teen angst films, slasher films, and any of these things, you're, they're constantly full, uh, full frontal nudity, uh, breasts, uh, feminine anatomy. This one here hits, hits largely on the, uh, the male actors. Yeah, there's no female nudity nope. in this no. at all. There's no, there's a bunch of dudes jumping off the, uh, the yeah. at one point, right? <laughs> exactly. Right? All skinny dipping and the ladies are like, no, no, yeah, no hard pass. And they all like, <laughs> okay, no, we'll just go out and I'll jump in together. Okay. Yeah. You do that. Yeah. You be you. Yeah, you do that. Yeah. So, uh, so Ronnie takes Angela into the kitchen cause he's concerned by the hand, no less you again, we're in the eighties. So you never get away with that today. Um, right. and we meet this arty guy that we saw. In the first, uh, when the kids first got to camp. So he's this creepy, creepy pedo, you know, looks Angela up and down. And so Angela is ultimately left alone with Artie and he takes Angela to the walk-in cooler and Artie predictably starts to assault Angela, starts, you know, peeling off his belt type thing and, and, but he's stopped by Rick. Yeah. So... Yeah, if there was anybody who ever deserved to die in a horror movie, it yeah, was him. It's, it's old, old Artie. No, he was played by uh, Owen Hughes. Okay. And Owen Hughes, he played in, uh, I think he played in Sleepaway Camp 4, and he also produced really? the movie. Yeah. Wow. And he also... Did he come back as disfigured Artie? <laughs> no, he played in it. Uh... I'll have the, I'll have, well, I stopped at three. Yes, I did see three of these friggin' things. Um, I couldn't take any more after three. Oh, he was uh, played as archive footage. Oh, ah. okay. there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Flashback Artie. Flash, flashback Artie. Yeah, yeah. That was some of the things he said. Though was like, yes, it made me cringe. Yeah, um, he was leaning up against a, a rather robust shelf. Why didn't he just really push hard against that steel shelf? And you know, maybe he would have fallen over backwards, but he wouldn't have pulled the forty-five gallons of boiling water on top of himself yeah. so that's the next oh. scene uh yeah so we finally do get Artie gets his comeuppance i guess he stands on a chair to check you know the biggest goddamn pot ever made uh i swear to god it's like a four foot pot uh and he's boiling corn uh so we cut to like a first person point of view uh we're unsure who it is kind of creeping up so we assume it's angela uh but we never see the face so the unseen kid kind of pulls the chair out from under Artie and he's cursing and swearing the big pot of water falls on him, uh, leaving him uh, horrifically burned. And I, I have to say, this is one of the ones that I thought the effects were kind of good. I thought the yeah, latex. They probably spent, yeah, they probably spent uh, quite a bit of the budget right there. They did. They did show it a long time. <laughs> so uh the you know the latex effects and the air bladders i didn't know if you, you saw some of the uh yep. the blisters Almost. on his on his cheek were kind of moving and stuff so they yep. had kind of some like an air appliance uh in there so i thought that was really well done but uh so Artie screams for a little bit too long 
I thought. And I guess they just wanted to show off the effects, get their money's yeah. worth, <laughs> that kind of thing. So somebody asked the question why people weren't con- uh, weren't concerned with uh, Angela's hydration is that you see how much salt he put in that pot. Even if they, <laughs> she did eat something, she would have drank lots. So she would have been okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And this film is unfavorably compared to Friday the 13th. Um, a lot of times the... <laughs> Old Pam Voorhees gets the old uh, one up on my heroin list compared to Artie for a camp cook. If we're talking camp cooks in movies, <laughs> yeah, so, oh. yeah, 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 she's way up on the power rankings. Oh, oh, she she goes way up. She's a heroine compared yeah. to this guy. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, exactly. Did anybody really notice the other stuff in the kitchen? I know it's kind of. I know I, I maybe have overanalyzed, but um, the fly, the sticky fly, fly paper, the oh. fly strips, uh, yes. the, 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 the right black. over the. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, right over the prep table. <laughs> and the black flag roach killer just opened there. It's like this kitchen would not pass anywhere. It's no. Right? Not only was already gross, I'm like, is this like you know, is this symbolism for what it's all representing? It's just an absolute festering wound. <laughs> so well, I mean, well done by the set designers, I guess, to, to paint yeah. a, a a gross, you know, scene of of uh you know kitchen staff who obviously don't give a shit about the kids. Nope. Uh, no. or anybody else like, yeah so so if that was on purpose or not we're not sure but yeah i did notice the the full full studded fly strips yes <laughs> they were full gross <laughs> yeah Hold right, Jeff in front of, right in front of the doctor they're all talking oh, yeah. the guy with the muscle shirt they're all just talking and he's right in front of the doctor <laughs> yeah so the doctor comes the ambulance comes to take artie away and mel He's not concerned about Artie at all. He just wants the ambulance to get out of the camp as quick as possible. So the kids and the parents don't find out for, you know, uh, for the, his bottom line, I guess, keep the camp open. So Ronnie says, uh, you know, the kitchen staff, they're all witnesses. And Mel says, he'll take care of them. <laughs> really? Yeah. How many, they decide they're your, presumably their friend. I don't know if anybody already had friends. He's get horribly burned and y'all take care of so Mel decides to give the kitchen staff a raise if they keep their mouth shut. Yeah. Split, and, they, split. and they're just going to say already found another job. So that's how they kind of swept it under the rug. 15 bucks a week, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was also a little, little disturbed by the, uh, by the, the African-American actor uh, kind oh, of yes. play, playing it a little. Yes, boss. A little. Yeah. I don't know. Southern, you know. Slavish type, if, if I, yeah, I can't come up like with another a, word, but it was it was not uh, definitely not of the day. Uh, <sighs> he was playing it a little, a little old poor boy, yes, boss, that kind of thing. Is yeah. oh my dear, they that whole the whole with... yeah, the whole scene was just absolutely just oh, yeah, fuck, gross. gross. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So uh, we cut to the boys uh, playing a sit-up prank on a kid named Mozart for some reason. <laughs> I guess he, I don't know, played music. He never did it in the film, but he called him Mozart. Uh, and we meet Gino uh, with the most hilariously cut off shirt ever. Oh, I like uh, Gino. Like, honest <laughs> to God, it's just below his nipples, um, this cut off t-shirt. And, you know, God love you. If you got, the, if you got the, the, the build for it. He does have the biggest breasts in the camp. He sure, well, that was Ronnie. Ronnie has the no, has Ronnie. cups. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Gino, Gino was the, the bodybuilder. Um, yeah, see, I told you I got those two mixed up. Yeah, it's it's Gino. Okay. Well, they were both like, yeah. Brick yeah, they were houses. both pumped. They were both pumped. <laughs> for sure. 
And again, hilariously New York, the two of those guys. Um, so the boys go and play a game of softball with like a wide variety of ages of kids. I mean, some of the kids look 20 for God's sake. Um, we establish that one of the older kids, Billy, uh, really has a hate for Rick. So Billy tells Rick to eat shit and die. And Rick tells Billy to eat shit and live. Um, so I don't know if that's foreshadowing. It could be a little foreshadowing. Um, and I guess the older boys are beaten by Rick's team and they vow to get them back. I mean, really that was the only point of this whole scene is to establish, uh, Billy as Rick's kind of nemesis, I guess. Revenge plot. A little tension, a little tension in the air. That's right. So the next scene is the kids in the bunkhouse and the 20-somethings are talking about going skinny-dipping. They tease one of the boys, Kenny, who's wearing a sweet blue oyster culture, by the way. Yes. Um, and he, to go ask Angela to go skinny-dipping. So Angela's sitting there silently eating a chocolate bar. Uh, so Blue Oyster Cult and this other guy uh, go ask Angela if she wants to go. And Angela, Angela predictably says nothing, just stares. So they make fun of her, calling her Looney Tunes, which is probably a mistake um uh so mel walks in mel walks in with the best plaid pants ever sewn uh and rick shows up in a cowboy hat (laughs) uh i don't know if he was a cowboy hat uh again 1983 uh and he sees the boys making fun of angela so rick proceeds to fight with blue oyster cult and all the boys scrap in the middle of the floor and meg and mel stand by and do nothing Paul eventually, once the scuffle is, is, is over, Paul goes over to Angela and says that he's sorry about what happened to her family. And Angela finally says something. She says goodnight to Paul. So that's the first lines we hear from Angela. And all and all while the whole while this is happening, Judy is kind of seeing uh, Paul talking to Angela and hears her speak for the first time. And she's just scowling in the corner. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of this, uh, this scene here? I, I like the... Uh... Can I go off on a little bit of a tangent here? I don't know if you guys know. So, Jared, I uh, I wrote down the blue oyster. I blow. I wrote down the blue oyster cult shirt. Um, mm-hmm. Other rock shirts and other rock mentions during the movie were uh, there was a t- kid with a t shirt that had Asia on it. Asia, yeah, I kid, saw that. Yeah, kid that, had a t shirt with Tequila Sunrise on there. Yeah. I think that lover- Asia. I think that Asia shirt was the album Alpha, if I'm not mistaken. I think my sister had that on cassette. Yeah, and then the uh, Lover Boy poster in the shower room. Yes, the dude, the dude shower room, no less. Yeah, Those yeah. Are my my rock and roll observations from the movie. <laughs> so, that's I, what I, I got. Can't out believe of even, I can't believe you even picked that stuff out. I was just mortified from scene one. <laughs> I just had questions right from the start. I had questions, and, and I, I just I could take up an hour and a half just asking all the questions, and and I've got a couple that I'm just gonna. There's a couple scenes coming up as we go through. Maybe it'll be revealed some of the answers oh it'll be revealed oh it'll be revealed so next scene is by the lake and all the 20 somethings are going skinny dipping and the girls are there and they say yeah how about new so there's a big old sausage party in the lake i guess yeah strip strip down bare bums into the drink uh leslie uh this girl leslie and blue oyster cult takes uh they take a canoe ride uh in lieu of skinny dipping and, uh, you know, Blue Oyster Cult is kind of being a jerk and he overturns the canoe and Leslie curses at him, swims off. And he ends up under the overturned canoe and 
so it's kind of a close-up shot and, and a head pops up next to him back onto us. Uh, he recognizes her. Again, we assume it's Angela, but she's never seen. Uh, and that scene kind of ends. We're not quite sure what happens. So the next day, the most angry counselor in the world uh, finds Blue Oyster Cult in a canoe uh, with a small snake coming out of his mouth. And I thought this was a decent effect again. I thought I agree. Head, I thought the yeah, head mold, it was, it was the, good. the silicone head mold that they used uh, for Blue Oyster Cult, um, I thought was really good. So the effects so far are decent. Yeah, I didn't mind the effect. I really didn't mind the effect. I think the uh, the pool where he's a little agitated at the pool, I, I thought that was a little bit over the top. But yeah, but the actual finding the body underneath of the canoe there, I, I thought that was well played out. Yeah, I want to know how they did the lighting in the canoe in a dark lake. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It was at night. It was at night. Canoe at a lake. Yeah. If I'm under yeah. that canoe in the nighttime, which have I been? You're not Probably. seeing anything. Yeah, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think to be much ambient light. No. Who's from the plankton? Yeah. <laughs> plankton. So uh, Blue Oyster Cult is taken away and a cop talks to Mel who's kind of blowing it off as an accident because, again, he's worried about the bad publicity. Uh, so we move along. The girls are playing volleyball. And Judy, uh, again, has her hilarious shirt that says Judy on it. Uh, this is the first time I, I think this may be the first scene in the movie, unless I missed it earlier. But I thought this was the first scene in the movie where we saw the Judy shirt. And it is the first time we saw the Judy shirt. Volleyball scene. Yeah. I I actually had to pause the movie. I was laughing so hard. I I couldn't. I really couldn't deal with somebody who had their own name on their front of shirt. <laughs> that that was the thing that made you laugh so hard. I was laughing so hard with the fake mustache. Oh, we'll get to that. Oh my god, <laughs> we'll get to that. That is that is classic. That is a classic movie blooper. Okay, so uh, so the girls are playing volleyball. Angela, of course, is not playing. She's sitting creepily off to the side, um, but Paul shows up and uh, they have a little conversation and Paul asks her to go to a movie tonight. They're having a movie in the mess hall. So, of course, Judy looks on again, scowling as she does, and Meg uh, decides to go over and chew Angela out for talking to boys while not participating in the volleyball game. Uh, Susie steps in and is sympathetic towards Angela and kind of drives uh, Meg away. So I guess all these scenes, and they they seem to be, and we've established that Judy doesn't like Angela, and possibly has a thing for Paul. Did you get that at this point? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least she doesn't like Angela. Maybe not the Paul thing. Yeah. So they they just keep going, and she's got the like the resting bitch face all the time. This Judy chick. <laughs> yeah. So the kids, you know, they watch the movie and Paul and Angela leave holding hands. And of course, Julie, Judy again really has a hate on for Angela. And Paul kisses Angela next to the bunkhouse without asking, for one. Uh, and Angela doesn't seem too big on it. It was kind of like out of the, out of the blue. So I guess kind of um, building up again. Just a little kernel of what's to come, I guess, planting the seeds of the big re reveal, I guess, at the end. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, meanwhile, the boys are pranking Mozart again. So they do uh, 
not, I'm not sure what they call this. I know it was a, was a, there's a name for the prank where um, the shaving cream. Yeah. Yeah. The shaving cream. Basically tickle the, put the shaving cream in her hand, tickle the feather, pies his own face with the shaving cream. But the funniest thing about this, Mozart pulls a friggin' knife and threatens to kill everybody. And nobody cares. Everyone's like, oh, Mozart, <laughs> you rapscallion. He's like waving a friggin' big Bowie knife around. And Gino just takes it and puts it on a shelf. And lets the kid go. Yep, yeah, no yeah, problem. Go, go back to bed. Go back. No to harm, bed. no foul. Go to bed. Threaten to kill everybody with a knife. Whatever. Do you have any other weapons in that locker of yours? <laughs> or sorry, the bag. So that was that was pretty funny. Next day by the lake, Judy rolls up on Paul and Angela again, being a jerk. Meg berates Angela again for not participating and and like violently starts shaking her. Again, that's probably not a great idea. Next, and then the very next scene, Judy picks on Angela again at the cabin, wondering why Angela never takes showers with the rest of them and starts throwing around, you know, the homophobia type thing. And then Susie slaps the taste out of Judy's mouth. So go, go Susie. Yeah. So again, this we're building up planting seeds, building up to why. Um, well, I don't want to say why Angela is how she is because it's not, but that's how the movie anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> it's, it's so it's, it's almost exhausting trying to, and I, you know, weave your way nicely around this topic that they get into later. Oh, uh, well, I'll bring it out. Well, oh, okay. Fair enough. So Angela leaves to go see Rick and is hit right in the face with a water balloon thrown by Billy and the 20 somethings. Uh, they're up on a, on a roof having a water fight for some reason. I have no idea why, uh, but they're up on top of the roof and Rick says they're going to pay for this. Yes. Oh, you're going to pay. He freaks right out. And yeah, they will. Billy goes back to his cabin where he announces to the world that he's got to take a wicked dump before the softball game. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for yeah. that, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, so he he goes into the bathroom, he sits in a stall, and our kind of unseen killer slips a wooden rod into the stall handles, effectively locking the door, uh, and then cuts a hole in the screen behind Billy, who's sitting on the throne. I'm not sure how or why Billy doesn't hear that. Um, if you can imagine sitting, you know, back to a wall with a, a screen, you know, window right above your head. Well, when you're in a wicked dump. I guess if you're really straining, maybe, maybe, your ears kind of go, yeah, well, okay. You know, yeah. at summer camp. Plausible. you got to go, you got to go, I guess, eh? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, if you're locked in the bathroom stall, you know, pardon the poem, but shit's not going to be cool. It's something's coming. <laughs> That's right. You duck out. Yeah. Been there, done get that. Get in and out of there as soon as you can. When you've been water bagged on the shitter, <laughs> you know that there's other ways to get away from what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, our killer drops a beehive in the stall, which I thought was fairly inventive. The uh, smallest beehive. The smallest beehive with the most uh, high high density amount of bees ever. Uh, so Billy proceeds to be stung to death by, uh, as my notes say, an unnatural amount of bees. It, it um, is New York. Known for their killer bees? Well, high density population. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) and aggravated bees. Did they they have killer bees back then in in America? 
I don't, I don't yeah, know. they were tag team champs for a while. Oh, they were? They were? <laughs> That's right. Huh. Yes. But who did they beat for the championship? Heart Foundation. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, yes. And if I remember correctly, Brett the Hitman Heart used to wear a pink shirt with those same letters on it with Hitman written across it. So he had yes, a self identifying sure t shirt. How's that for a segue? Can I get a drum roll there or something? Uh, <laughs> oh man, I wish. Holy shit! I wish he had. I wish he had Hitman written in those velour letters. Oh uh, I guarantee you, I can find one picture. Oh, that was funny, killer! Baby. Can you even get those letters anymore? I'm wondering if we could get those letters because I'm making I'd get you some a shirt. Shirts, oh, I would love a shirt. I would love a shirt. With Kevin across it, I please, oh. please, on the front, not on the back. Oh on no, the no, front. not in the back. Yep, on the front. I haven't laughed that hard in a while. In bubble, pink bubble letters. Yep. Oh, my God. I'm here for the comedic content. With a rainbow underneath it or something. Yeah. So. With a few uh, bees. <laughs> with a bee. <laughs> so after Billy's death, uh, he kind of tumbles out of the out of the, uh, at the stall. And it's just, he's just writhing in bees. So after his death, uh, Mel and Ronnie talk and say that there's only 25 campers left. So I assume... Uh, the word has gotten out. This is after Billy's been taken out and the word is out that, you know, blue oyster called ate it. Uh, Billy's gone. Artie was, you know, all the, the, the death so far. So campers are getting spooked and I guess they're, they're leaving. So Mel, are they though? Are they, are, are they leaving? Are, are they leaving? Do we know they're leaving or, or is Mel just being like, well, there's only 25 campers left. Cause well, I started having serious questions at this point. Maybe. This is one of the questions I had. I'm like, how is he not shutting her down? Because kids are dropping like flies. And you figure somewhere along the line, the insurance is probably not going to keep paying out. <laughs> well, I guess that's why he wants everything kept under the hat type thing. But I guess it is starting. He's starting to panic. So he's accusing someone of being the killer. He said, I know who's doing this. And we don't know who he suspects. So we'll get, get to that in a bit. But he suspects somebody. So Angela and Paul uh, meet outside a cabin and they're talking about the killer and uh, they go to the lake and they kiss and they run around and they kiss again. Uh, Paul moves, puts the moves on Angela and then she has this flashback of her dad and another man in bed. So that's fine. Her dad was a gay man. Apparently that was a big deal back in 1983. Not so much now, but right now. In 1983, uh, the I guess the undertone is that's part of why Angela is so messed up. Uh, so there's a, in the flashback, uh, the kids are giggling next to the bed as you know the two men have a little tender moment in bed. Uh, and I think this scene is one that you know the kind of the LGBTQ uh, advocates point to as being you know, vastly homophobic as, you know, like I said, it, it implies that the dad being gay is led, led to what, how Angela was so messed up. So we, we, we find out something later on about that, but that's the implication right now of why Angela is so quiet and shy with, you know, with, with Paul and that sort of thing. So what, what do you guys think of this, uh, this scene? And it was all, it wasn't needed. To be honest, I don't think it was needed. No, no, not not. It did it did nothing 
Well, I mean, other than the audience watching going, yeah, okay, maybe that's the reason. But honestly, if they had to just cut it and moved on with, you know, what Jir just foreshadowed, what he talked about, that probably yeah. would have made more, way more sense and would have probably delivered a lot better and had a, a little bit of a, um, you know, a more lasting favorability of mm-hmm. the movie itself, right? But, you could have taken a little bit more time exp- drawing yeah. out and explaining some, you know what I mean? Explaining some things. Right. Yeah, it didn't have it. Like it, it, it just led to more uh, of the you know, well, not really undertones here, but more of the homophobic, uh, homoerotic aspect of this. You know, un, like the undercurrent of this movie. Now, this brought that to the forefront. It was you know, overt uh, homosexuality, but it, I think it was just yeah, it was totally unnecessary. It didn't really, yeah, it, it was not needed at all. No, if anything, it thought that it was okay if you see it in a movie at that time. And, you know, the two kids are sniveling and laughing and basically, you know, seeing this, um, you know. Yeah. Now, given that it was 1983, do you think they put it in just for shock value? I think so. Possibly, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. so, too. Yeah. Given the fact that this guy was probably, well, this was his first movie, was it not? The director? Yeah. So maybe he yeah. was trying to maybe thought it was important again, given the fact that it was 1983. Did he think that he needed that as part of the storyline? Right. Quite how possibly. far along are we in the, uh, how far along are we in the slasher? Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to jump on you there, uh, but right. how far along are we on the slasher genre at this point in, in 1983? Are we just at the start of it? Have there been some, some pretty good slasher movies come out and he's trying to, you know, low budgetly. There's been quite a bit. 79, uh, Five yeah. years after Halloween. Yeah. 78 was Halloween, right? And if yeah. you go a so little bit further back, you've got uh, last Black on the left from 73. Yeah. Yeah. You so got there is a- there's some slasher precedent here. So is he trying to compete or is he is he trying to just put in as much as he thinks he needs or, or you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he, because, you know, Friday the 13th had, had come out. Uh, had part two been out by now? Yep. I don't, he ha- it had. Yep. Um, so, you know, you you kind of knew that or he knew going in i would assume that uh it would be compared to those films mm-hmm. and he didn't want to have a direct carbon copy of that so i don't know jason had mommy issues maybe she had daddy issues maybe that's that was his thinking i don't know <sighs> i don't know yeah. that blow your mind <laughs> he just i'm like <laughs> yeah. Again, so, Pam, Pam. Pam's still high up there for me. I'm... So, all right, moving along. We'll move out of this crazy flashback. Um. Yeah. So the next next scene, I guess the campus having a flag football game. Uh, they're going to put all this killer craziness behind them. Uh, move along and have a nice game of flag football. So Gino and Ronnie, or you know, Gino and uh, some other counselor. You know, I have no idea what his name is explain the rules of flag football and Judy kind of slaps a move on Paul at the flag football game after Angela leaves. So Rick meets up with Angela in mid game and they have some sort of uh, flanking maneuver or something that they're doing. So Angela follows Rick into the woods and they find Judy kissing Paul in the woods. So obviously that does not sit well with young Angela or Rick at this point. So I guess that's a big turning point there. Um, up until this point, Angela didn't really have any 
you know, even though Paul kind of made the moves on her a little bit, I don't think she kind of held that against him. But I think this is the first scene where Paul got on her shit list, I guess. Strike uh, I guess. one. <laughs> yeah, strike only. <laughs> so the next scene, um, Mel accuses Rick of being the killer in, in a scene because he's always sticking up for Angela because uh, Angela is thrown in the water by Judy and Meg. So Mel kind of it expositionally explains to the audience that he thinks Rick is is doing the killing here. Yeah, someone want to explain to me, Jerry, someone explain to me, they pan away after he's getting, he's, he's making this accusatory statement to the young fella and they pan away and they see the, Angela just flailing away on the on the uh, on the camp counselor's shoulder. I mean, did anybody not see this happening? Because it, <laughs> it went on for a while. Like, it sure did. <laughs> like, is this comedic content or something? Because I know, and they I think they actually did it twice because they they pan in close once and then they pan away again and then all of a sudden you see and she's still flailing she's and then they going. do the close up where she goes in the water. I'm like, yeah, someone uh, might want to help her. Like, where are all the uh, where are all the counselors? <laughs> like, yeah they're oh. not the best at their jobs yeah it was like the boat accident on repeat like anybody yeah. not see this coming <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, okay let's so, go uh in a scene that i can't quite explain i believe this might be another one of kevin's questions answered uh meg inexplicably puts the moves on mel the old guy you know with the cigar owns the camp mel um and then goes to have a shower before meeting him for dinner Gino, what G- Mel Gino, Mel Gino, what, what, why would she choose Mel? <laughs> I don't know. Why? Why? So, okay. So if you haven't seen the movie, Meg, Meg is a very, very pretty, uh, late, either late teenager, early twenties. Um, you know, she's horrible in the movie, but she's pretty. Yeah. And it's the only thing I could, th- I could, I could equate it to would be like Chrissy Snow, putting the moves on furley yeah Ooh, that's it yeah 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 you know that's he's exactly got the plaid it. pants he's in his mid or late 50s early 60s and meg this 20 something is you know oh, i want to meet you for dinner how about i didn't get maybe, that at maybe, all. Maybe. wait a minute furley was furley don knots yeah Who's yeah. the other one? Who was the Roper. other guy? Roper. That had- Mr. Roper. Roper. No, it'd be Roper, not Furley. It'd be Roper because Don <laughs> oh. knots it'd be Don knots it'd be funny. I can see Roper getting it, it'd, it'd, to it'd be too. Suzanne Summers putting the putting the moves on Roper. <laughs> He'd be looking at the camera breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Jack Tripper <laughs> and Mrs. Ro- Mrs. Roper, she was a coog. He was <laughs> oh, always no, stop rare. it. She stop. was always raring to go. No, I'm just saying if you want to reverse the roles there. Right? <laughs> It'd be like Jack having a you know, having the time with Mrs. Roper. <laughs> oh, but my you, God. That's That'd a, be a whole I mean, different... I'm just saying it could happen, right? <laughs> Three's could Company happen. after dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why that happened. I couldn't understand it. There was no foreshadowing. There was no build-up to it. It was just like, hey, I want to... I'm like, oh, okay, where's this going? Yeah. Other than it just... All it did was build the scene that she needed to go get a scrape before right that was it (laughs) wow well (laughs) i guess it was a vehicle to make mel even more angry because this young girl had took taken a shine to him and so i I guess that leads to our next scene our killer shows up uh 
Meg goes for a shower and she's in the shower and her killer shows up with a knife and it looks like Mozart's knife. If you didn't pick up on that. Ooh, I believe it was Mozart's knife. Uh, you never saw the killer take the knife from, from Gino's stall or wherever he hit it. Um, but anyway, she's only with a knife. Uh, one thing I did, I did notice in this scene was there was a nice shot of the doorway. So we're looking in through the doorway uh, into the shower room, but across the room is the shower is where the shower room is. And the killer is standing in the doorway, uh, silhouetted her shadows in the door. Really? Uh, with the knife down to like arm down to the left knife in hand. Oh, yeah, really? I remember that. Really, really? cool. Yeah. yeah really didn't... cool. Long shadow in the doorway. So I thought Wait, that was well done. I'll give. Was props. that the one where they show the, they pan where I said that you see the lover boy poster? Yes. Exactly. Get out. I'm going to have yep. to go. I did not notice that. It's because yep. you're looking at the lover boy poster. Well, see, I was, fi- I was fixated on the rock and roll, right? That's so, right. Um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll will get you in trouble every time. Yeah. Working for the weekend, baby. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so thought that was cool. Props to the yeah. uh, director of photography. Did they have a director of photography or something? DP, no. I don't Probably know. Not. Probably. I'm going to go have to get back and watch that. Yeah. Cool shot. So Meg is knifed in the back. Through the flimsiest shower stall ever. Questions, questions. Yep, questions, yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah. And uh, another cool shot. I thought the the killer rinsing the blood off the knife with the shower water was a nice touch. I will I will agree with that. The there was a couple close ups of the killer's hands, and I'm not sure whose hands they were. They, they <laughs> definitely were not a 14 year old uh, girl. No, no, no. Right. So. Just throwing that out there, but uh, yes, Jerry, I agree. That was that had uh, Hitchcockian, yeah, um, film timing, timing to it. Oh, like, beautiful. how did the killer know that she was leaning against the back of the shower stall? <laughs> how was the back of the shower stall not framed in? What is it's just sitting there? Oh, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. So he stabs her in the back through the shower stall. There's no framing to the shower stall. It's just sitting there. Lucky guess because. What if she had been washing her hair and she was up at the front? They would have just stabbed through a, a, the shower stall and she would have turned around. Oh, fuck, there's a knife. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. I'd be like, oh, fuck, there's a knife. And then she would have been like, ah, I got to get out of here. No, nope. that's, oh, my God. Oh and she makes God. the most... She makes the most surgical cut all the way down the spine yeah, as well. Right? It's not, you know, she didn't like stab her once and ah, she, like you said, freak out or anything. Nope, I'm going to stay perfectly still so I can get a perfect spine cut right from... Shoulder blades to arsehole. I got a question. Has anybody tried to cut a cardboard box with a (laughs) buck knife? (laughs) Without tearing it? Without tearing it, yeah. So and they went through a wall. Yeah. And I'm sorry that I know this information, but you you can't clean blood off that easily in a shower. (laughs) It just doesn't work. You you got to use a little bit more pressure. I guess. Maybe two hands. Oh, yeah, just maybe oh, the water so pressure questions. at Camp Arawak They're, was awesome. Uh, hard water, probably. <laughs> Very hard. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, Psycho. Uh, I guess an homage to Psycho done very poorly. I need another drink. <laughs> yeah, I just ran out of my. I'm I'm on. Uh, I gotta go get my Trace Heine. All right, you so, go do that. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, Paul meets up with Angela and apologizes and again is messed with by Judy. So she's just relentless, right? She doesn't, she just doesn't stop. 
So Angela says to meet her by the waterfront after the social. So I'm sure, I'm sure nothing's going to happen there. It'll be fine. Uh, so we cut to the head counselor, Eddie, who's sleeping outside for some unknown reason uh, with some whiny kids. So Eddie leaves uh, the two boys. There's these two boys who just want to go. They're fed up with sleeping outside. They just want to go. So Eddie leaves with two boys and there's like three other kids sleeping on the ground outside next to an ax hmm. by themselves. And Eddie just up and leaves. Robin thoughts. I, I really didn't understand that scene too much. I, I was no, I, I honestly, I am at this point. I'm really confused of what's going on in certain <laughs> scenes. It's almost like, it's almost like uh, like a roller coaster. Like a one scene, you're like totally, totally caught up with the movie, and the next scene, you're like, "What the hell just happened?" Right. So I'm at that point now where what the whole movie is. What is the point? What 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 is he? What is the director <laughs> trying to do with this? Okay, all of a sudden you see this guy out there with the several kids camping out. There's no story to it. There's no. But but I get that. There's no I, lead I get to that, Rob. No, there's no lead to, but I, I totally get that, Rob, though. But, I mean, think about it. Think of the camp. You'd be out, you know, you're not just going to spend every night in, in your your thing. There's going to be outdoor activities. You know, you guys are going to go earn your your outdoor sleeping badge where you guys no, sleep. No, I get that. Okay. But there's no, there's no lead up. Or there's also off. been several killings. I know. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, okay, boys and girls, we're going to sleep outside now, right next to Right next to an axe, but you'll get your badge. <laughs> if you survive, you'll get a badge. <laughs> and not, not the fact we we haven't seen Eddie before. Just just this head counselor Eddie shows up and is going to take yeah. a bunch of kids outside. Who the hell is this guy? Why do we care about him? We we don't even know who he is. Yeah, we haven't obviously... seen any guns. There's people dying. Where are all the guns? <laughs> Where in the fuck did Eddie come from? And he did not get the memo. <laughs> Eddie was probably uh, Artie's uh, best friend or something. Oh, Just came out of the woodwork. oh my God. Anyway, uh, so the next scene, Mel shows up to the social. <laughs> looking like, <laughs> again, he looks like Ralph Furley. Oh my God, the pants. Oh. is They're out of bounds, man. Lime. It's lime, <laughs> like plaid. Oh my God. <laughs> so he's looking for Meg, of course, because he's all hot and horny to get on to go with, with Meg. Who's been, yeah, gutted like a cardboard box. Typical response, though, right? You're hot and horny. You're looking to go get laid, and what does he do? He gets pissed off. Why do you he think starts... he? Why do you think he smells like, like high karate and cigars and big? <laughs> brute, yeah. No, brute. <laughs> that brute, fucking yeah. glass green blottle, man. Yeah, everybody yes, had man. that shit. Yeah, that I just he too, smells. Man. I just figured he just smells like old people. You know that you know that old person smell. Yeah. I just figured yeah. he smells Dude, like just, just... no, no, I can't. No, he's not smelling like old people. He's not getting ass like that. Smelling like old people, <laughs> even if it's but, 1983. But I think he is. I he think is. that's the appeal. I think that's the appeal. She's just looking at it, going, "I have daddy issues," and yeah, yeah. Anyway, I thought that was anyway, funny. boys, this is the break in time I'm going to okay. take. So uh, I got to fly. But right, I man. do thank you guys very much and uh, have yourself a great end to your uh, podcast. Perfect, man. We'll see you later. So Judy and Mike, one of the 20 somethings, make out while Mel shows up. He's looking for Meg. Uh, 
Mel goes next door to the showers, gross, to look for Meg Creeper. Uh, and he finds her uh, with that big, huge, straight cut upper back. Yeah, he spends and... a lot of time. Uh, sorry, he spends a lot of dramatic time uh, <laughs> showing his, his finest hour, eh? His finest. Uh, his reaction finest... is all time horrible. <laughs> oh, <he's>... yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> hilarious. Like the exposition in this scene from from Mel is hilarious. Like it's stuff you'd never ever say is like, I'm going to get that Rick. He's been doing all this killing. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Someone called Scooby-Doo. <laughs> it, it, it literally felt like three minutes. Like it, it didn't seem like four seconds. It, it, it seemed like a long time. Although I probably react like that too if a dead body raised its arms to fall out through the shower curtain. Uh, that was bad too, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was <laughs> that, that was equally as bad. She was probably killed 20 minutes ago. Oh yeah, with a knife she was still in her back. Right. And oh. she was still standing up. Yeah. And said knife was not pinning her to a wall. Said knife was not there. No. No. Yeah, so I don't know. Rigor mortis kicked in instantly. I don't know. She stood up. Yeah, she fell through the shower curtain and it was blatant. Like holy Mel's shit. reaction was was classic. So the next scene we see Judy and she's curling her hair in the dark. Uh <laughs> which is fucking <laughs> anyway. We find out that there is an there is a reason why she does she's curling her hair in the dark. She doesn't want to turn the lights on because she doesn't want to go to this social thing, this dance or whatever. Well, yeah. But still, who curls their hair in the dark? Well, obviously she's heading out somewhere. I don't remember where she's heading. I don't think she's going anywhere. Well, why no. would you curl your hair at night if you're That's not going my question. anywhere? I have no now, idea. is this after she had the dude in the room with her? Or yes. is this before it was after? Yeah. Okay. So that was Judy, Judy and Mike. That was Mike. He was one of the 20 somethings and they right. were making out Correct. and then Mel shows up okay. and this is after. So Mike is gone yeah. and she's curling her hair in the dark for some reason. And uh, someone shows up at the door who looks kind of like a Rick Angela hybrid. Uh, <laughs> the, the way is shot, it, the way the whole thing is shot is so confusing to me. It was... Uh, backlit. Uh, there was like a, a like almost like a halo effect to this person standing in the doorway, and I must have I searched back a couple of times to figure out who I was looking at. Did you ever? Did you see that? It looked like a, a mix between. Ooh. It looked like a mix between Angela's body and Rick's face. It looked like he had a wig on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what the hell. So at this there. point, that, what this that was the only time. That if you're just think if if you had the, the filter on, you never seen it before. That's the only time you're like, wait a minute, who's actually doing this? Is it Angela or is it a brother? Right. That's the only plausible confusion of of who did it. Right. Because we never saw the we've never seen the killer's face at this point, other than the long hair. Right. From behind. So mm -hmm. maybe yeah, maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe it was like uh, an edit uh, that they made. You know. Maybe this was a totally different movie at one point, and it just something got lost on the, the cutting room floor type thing. I don't know, but it was weird. And I'm, I'm glad you picked up on it. Yeah. It wasn't just me. No, definitely. So our killer walks in. <laughs> I don't know. Judy couldn't see the person walking in. 
It was like they got from the door to the bed, which is probably, I don't know, 15 feet. And it took Judy right until he was like, is someone there? Who's there? I said, oh, it's you. Yeah. And and then she gets smacked in the face. Or punched. <laughs> she just gets punched out. And if one one smack glass Joe, she's she's knocked out. Uh, and our killer takes a hot curling iron and burns Judy somehow. Yeah. Well, let's not. Yeah. No. No. But we kind of know how. Oh, come on. Hmm. They don't see it. <laughs> they, <laughs> Sorry. Guys. Mercifully, they don't show that. But we think we know what happened. You know, the, the, that whole scene is when he, he, she, they, them, whomever is responsible for doing what is going to transport. When the curling iron is lifted on the blanket and it has burned the blanket, that was, I, I don't know, uh, to me, that was just like, okay, it's hot, it's going to burn. There's, yeah. Did you guys notice the singeing of the blanket? I, I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that was enough for me. After that, they didn't need to show the silhouette of the curling iron, anything else, just <laughs> lifting of the curling, that was it. The lifting yep. of the curling iron, the silhouette on the wall, yep. oh, that gave me the cold shivers. Yeah, it was gross. Yeah. I've watched some shitty stuff on TV and some gross things in film and shit. I just watched the latest Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but um, yeah. there's yeah. that was gross, man. I, I you know what that silhouette curling iron on the wall. Fuck no, pass. Yeah, hard pass. But fuck as gross as arms. as gross as it was, I wish we could have seen Judy <laughs> get killed on screen instead of off screen because she yeah. deserved it. Because she was, she, she totally was did. obviously, yeah, she was obviously the the biggest uh, villain antagonist in this movie. Should have been on our list. Or our yeah, she could, villains. <laughs> she could have been on a in a daytime in a totally in a daytime kill. I think that Judy should have been the one having the snake come out of her mouth. Oh yes, that would yeah. have been very symbolic. Looking back on it, true enough. Right. Let's remake mm-hmm. it. Anyway, no, no. <laughs> How about near? How about, uh, we'll do it for 30 bucks. How about new? <laughs> near. So, uh, Eddie comes back to the kids that he left <laughs> in the sleeping outside. What an idiot. And predictably, their sleeping bags are shredded and the kids are dead. And this is the second time. Not that the dead kids didn't make me laugh. But Eddie pukes unexpectedly, and I burst out laughing. Way to go, Eddie. Uh, I didn't expect that at all, and I howled. It was so funny. He just, it, the way he looked on his face, it was like, oh, uh, and, then, blah, and he just barfs, and it was the funniest thing. <laughs> I fucked up puke. Yeah. yeah. I want to know why the kids died. Like, did those kids fucking do anything? There was yeah, no need. I mean, exactly. Did, you know... Yeah, there was no they, point they, to it. There was, it was pointless. It was. So other than getting Eddie into a tizzy. So uh, next scene, Rick walks back to his cabin and he's accosted by Mel, who's accusing him of being the killer. Because Mel's on a rampage. Uh, you know, his booty call has been stabbed in the back. And so Mel hilariously smacks him around on the ground. And it was the funniest beatdown in the history of of slasher films. Uh, I'm pretty sure Rick could have taken him, to be honest. Uh, Mel is like this old fart. And yeah, (laughs) so he smacks him around. He's punching. He's grabbing him by the lapels and smacking him against the ground. 
so Ronnie then gets a phone call from, I guess, Eddie, and they rally the counselors. So uh, <laughs> while this late. is happening. Yeah, exactly. So while this is happening, so uh, we cut back to Mel. He's, he's beaten Rick to a pulp and he runs away, ending up at the archery. He, he just kind of beefs it out of there. And he ends up at the archery range, uh, standing in front of a, a target where he meets Angela, question mark. We don't see holding a bow and arrow and he swiftly gets an arrow in the neck. Which was well done. I thought well it was done. very well done. I thought the effect of that was really, really well done. So, yeah. So nice homage, I, I thought, to Friday the 13th. Very the, well. The archery, uh, mm-hmm. the archery range. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the bow and arrow effect, the, the arrow through the neck thing, I thought was really well done. I actually searched that back a couple of times and watched it and slowed it down. And, yeah, it was pretty convincing. So the cop from earlier <laughs> after the oyster cult uh, died, he shows up. And he gets the head counselors to look for Paul and Rick. So Paul meets Angela near the lake and Angela wants to go swimming. Uh, And unexpectedly, Angela tells Paul to take his clothes off and she starts to as well. Uh, And so we cut to the cop and Gino. And at this point, the pace seems to be picking up between scenes here. We're kind of jumping back and forth between some groups. Uh, The cop and Gino find Rick beat up, uh, but he's not dead. So Meg is found in the shower by the cop. And this is the third time that I burst out laughing in this movie. This is one of the biggest bloopers in slasher movie movie history. history. It's the funniest fake mustache ever. If you skip to one hour and 21 minutes and 37 seconds of this movie, if you really, really want to see it, you'll see it in all its glory. It <laughs> looks like, I don't even know what it looks like. It doesn't, does it, is it hairy or is it just like magic marker? I don't know. It looked like paint. <laughs> yeah. It, it looks like, like it had paint. a texture to it, but it didn't like, uh... like tar. <laughs> So he shows up earlier in the movie. He's got this lush mustache. Yeah. And is it the same actor? I, you know what? I'm, I, I, that's what I said. I'm like, I don't know if it was the same actor because the guy who showed at the beginning when he's in the cop car and he's talking to Gino Vanelli. Um, his stash looks real, right? There's, oh, it totally uh, is. Absolutely. Yeah. Is. But then at the, at the end, it looks like he did a, he was like tearing a roof or something. He saw the ladder so on. It's almost like he, if it is the same actor, I like to think, this is my, my theater of the mind. I like to think that he shot his earlier scenes. The director said, thank you very much. We got all that we need from you. Have a good life. Here's your hundred bucks. Uh, I just stumbled upon something. And, oh, and Alan, Alan Breton. B-R-E-T-O-N. Type it into IMDb. I shit you not, his picture for IMDb is the close-up with the fake stash. <laughs> Alan Breton is an actor known for Sleepaway Camp. See full bio. No, yeah, I'll pass. It's known as, yeah, Frank the Cop. Yeah, Frank the <laughs> Cop. Frank yeah. the Cop. So, there, so uh, if you're going to Sleepaway Camp, Wiki, 
is it the same i want is it the same guy there's only one actor yes. who played him so yes. okay so this this lends credence to my theory that he did his earlier scenes here's your hundred bucks for showing up thank you very much and then the director goes uh-oh we gotta find we need some way to at the end of the movie we're going to be finding bodies we need an authority figure uh we need the cop back and they call up this guy what's his name Alan Breton. Frank. Frank. Frank the cop. Frank the cop. No, the actor. Alan. The Alan. 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 Steve. Steve. Alan. Steve. Alan. Steve. Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Alan, what do you have? Uh, yeah. So uh, we need you for another scene in Sleepaway Camp. Can you come down to uh, Camp Arawak? Uh, yeah, I, I can certainly do that. Uh, I shaved my mustache off. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. We'll put one on. We'll get oh. we'll, we'll get the effects on there. They get down. They don't have the budget for a fake mustache, and they just take dog shit or something and rub it on his lip. It's oh brutal. God. Like it's absolutely brutal. The best well, thing about the best thing about his bio on IMDb is that <laughs> Alan Breton photo gallery. There's one picture. It's just one photo. And it's the picture of him coming out of the dude shower after seeing after seeing. Uh-huh. Uh, the, la- <laughs> the lady cut stop. up. Yeah, it's a, and he, the look on his face is so stunned, but you can see even see the sheen in the picture off his her mustache. It's true. Like, oh, it catch- oh, look it at catches it! Catches the light. It's uneven and everything. It's like thick on one side, like it was perfectly rolled on one side, and then the other side it looked like he slipped off a table. <laughs> like his four year old <laughs> drew it on for. And this is like the the right side is a perfect line. Oh yeah, like perfect. it's a perfectly straight line. <laughs> like they it's... they had like they had like a stencil of a mustache and took like fucking trem clad or something and spray painted his lip. <laughs> fucking roller <laughs> slip on the fucking left side. <laughs> uh, Alan Breton. What is Alan Breton doing now? Oh. Probably fucking nothing. That oh is my god, sweat I'm laughing so hard. Oh, that is great. Dash. <laughs> So one hour, 21 minutes, 37 seconds. You, you just, if I don't care if you don't like slasher movies. If you, if you've made it this far, listening to this horse shit, go see it. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, okay. I can't so. believe I paused that the other night right on there and sent that. <laughs> that was free. <laughs> I was in the there. Best. I was absolutely stunned. That was probably the most shocking part for me. I'm like, really? Okay. Pause. Picture. Send. Let's right. Go. And the funny, you know, the funny thing is, I don't even remember it from watching it. Like no. you think you think something like that would stick with you, but I guess if you're watching it on, you know, VHS tape on a, you know, a CRT TV and probably the tracking was off or you yeah, know, it was, it was kind of grainy, you wouldn't notice it, but in its all its digital glory, you know, on a 24-inch high def monitor, yeah. it looks wait- horrible. When this comes out on 4K, I'm going to buy it for you guys. <laughs> I streamed it from Amazon on a 77-inch TV. It was oh humongous. Did that mustache walk away? I like I seared shit you're not when he came out. I'm like, holy fuck. Pause. <laughs> and I laughed out loud, and my wife was down the hallway going, the kids are sleeping. I'm like, I cannot. She's what he laughed. I called her down the hallway to go. I said, check this out. She was, what are you watching? I said, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What right. the hell did Don't I ask. Just see? Don't ask. <laughs> Frank the cop. See, this is something that you'll never forget, and I guarantee you, twenty to twenty-five listeners will fast forward to that part. Of the movie. Yeah, they will. 
be like, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you tell us that section of the uh, of the movie like right at the start? Yeah, we're burying the lead here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, speaking of burying the lead, so oh. we're getting down towards the end in here uh, yeah. of the film. So Ronnie and Susie here singing. They're walking around. They're looking for counselors or Rick or I don't know who they're looking for. They're just looking for somebody. And they hear singing coming from the lake. So they walk down to the lake and it's Angela. And she's sitting on the ground with uh, it looks like she has Paul kind of uh, on his back in her lap. Yeah. So that's fine. It's weird. She's singing, but okay. But then that starts another flashback. So this is the explanation. This is the crux of the film. This is the director's reasoning for why Angela is like she is. So the flashback explains that Martha, the crazy aunt, um, aunt Rick's crazy mother, why she's so weird. Well, it doesn't really explain why she's so weird. It just explains that she's weird. And this is what she did. So the little girl uh, that was with her father in the boating accident uh, was the one that was killed, not the little boy. So the little boy's name was Peter. So Peter lived. He lived. uh, He didn't get killed by the motorboat. So Martha took Peter in and he has a big. This little kid has a big bandage on his head. So I guess it was fresh after the accident. He got banged up and he didn't die. So Martha took him in and made him dress and act like a girl. And she named him Angela. So that's some pretty messed up messaging on, you know, gender roles and transgender people as we, you know, are educated in today. And so I can't imagine um, being, you know, a person who is in, you know, 1983 and confused uh, about their sexuality and where they fit in. And they're watching Sleepaway Camp and they come to realize that it's because this gender you know, expectation or change or whatever is why the killer is messed up. So if they're, you know, confused about who they are and, you know, who they're supposed to, to be, I I can't even imagine what message that's sent to people like that. Yeah. It's the, the movie hits upon like a whole, a whole range of dysphoria. Right. So it's, uh, And there was a huge uh, point of contention with the trans community when this film was out. Shelf that for one second, because we're going to get to the shocking ending. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead. So that was the flashback. So we come back to the lake. And honestly, this is the one of the most lingering visuals um, that you'll ever see. And it's not just for the obvious. So what happens is Angela drops Paul's severed head. She's cut his head off and she stands up and she's wide eyed looking to her right. Wide eyed as wide as you think eyes can go. Her mouth is agape. 
And again, it's, I can't, the, this actress, Felissa Rose, uh, I guess she can, she can open her mouth pretty wide because I, I, I'd never seen anything like that. She's covered in blood. But it pans down to reveal that she's actually a boy. You know, the anatomy is there for all to see. <laughs> I would say anything more about that. And that animalistic hissing sound. Growl. That's that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Her growl. She's growling and feral. And mm-hmm. it's truly disturbing. And the act, I looked it up, and the director actually superimposed Felissa Rose's face onto a male's body. And the effect wow. was just wrong enough to make it so disturbing. Like you can tell she's not, you go back. Yeah. I don't even know. I yeah. don't want to go back and look at it now. Again. No, you can though. But yeah. she's like, she's like, she's making these, these kind of growling feral noises. And when it shows her face with the mouth agape and the eyes wide, and it's not, her face is not quite where it should be on the head. It's almost out a little bit. And it almost makes the head look even bigger. And it is truly, truly haunting. That's yeah. You, <clears throat> there's a couple of different. There's a couple close-ups. You can clearly tell it's the actor's face. Um, yeah. But then when they pan yeah. out, it's totally not her face. Well, it's very hard to run uh, uh, Photoshop on Windows three point one back then. Fucking <laughs> <Not even. laughs> DOS, Commodore sixty four. Yeah, there you Tandy go. Tandy eighty. <laughs> Tape just threw it out in a tape recorder. It was so off that it actually worked. Yes. Yes. And I think that's why he kept it. Uh, I think they went back and, and looked at it afterwards and said, Oh my God, we, it, it's wrong. Like we, it's wrong, but I don't think we should fix it. It's, yeah. it's really, really disturbing. And then the, uh, the, the, the pan to green, just to turn the green and to focus on her face, the growl, the yeah. wide eyes. They uh, another thing I looked up to that I saw a little factoid was that her face is on screen like that before the music. There's a theme, Angela's theme that kicks in at the end. Yes. Uh, Her face is on screen in uh, like a still for 10 seconds. That's crazy. eh? And that seems like an eternity looking at that face. It's like, oh, my God. So, yeah, that's longer than Mel's scene. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, So there's little yeah. wonder why, you know, the LGBTQ and transgender advocates have slammed this film for, you know, years later. I'm not sure how much flack it took at the time. It probably took quite a bit. But in retrospect, I think film historians have looked at this movie and, uh, you know, have really slammed the the homoeroticism, the, uh, you know, gender... Um, What'd you call it? Dysphoria? Dis, dis- yeah, the dysphoria. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I read somewhere that it alienated uh, many trans people from uh, pursuing the horror genre uh, due to this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I've also read that, um, you know, as much flack as it takes, there are some, um, you know, trans advocates that, yeah you know the conclusion that if they if they could take anything positive away from it was you know the psychological damage that can occur when enforcing oh, gender roles on children yeah and that's and i hope you know you can only hope that that's what that's the the message that the director wanted to 
portray and not you that so. you know trans yeah. Yeah, you know but... transgender people or gay people are inherently evil no and i think you know if you look at what we grew up in right the, the i mean born in the 70s grew up in the 80s um looking back on it now you know even as recently as some of the things that went through a recent government conversion therapy yeah war on marriage all of that stuff back then you had the aids epidemic there was a lot of people that they hide, mm. they hid themselves who they were because yeah. they couldn't they couldn't be who they should have been right out that's, right. an, that's an interesting question. Was was AIDS um, 83? Yeah. Back in 83? Oh, yeah, Ooh, absolutely. I, I think it was. I, I don't know. Maybe just at the forefront, maybe at that point in time. Yeah, because, I mean, horror movies have, it's, you know, they're kind of a reflection of the times. Yeah. So, you know, whatever scaring people of the time, that's what people generally make horror movies about, whether we talked about before about, uh, Terminator and you know the Cold War, nuclear war, that sort of thing. It's it's the re- it's a reflection of what's scaring us in the moment. Yeah. Um. And maybe it was, you know, homosexuality. Maybe it was AIDS. Maybe it was that sort of thing back then. I was too young to know. No, I didn't time. know either. Right. We just no. saw the end. We saw the end of this movie and looked at each other and, and just said. What the hell? I, didn't I had zero clue what was happening. I didn't even know yeah. that the flashbacks didn't even help me back in the day. I was so young. No. I should not have watched this movie. I swear no. I say again, I should not have watched this movie. And even the exposition of the flashbacks did not help me not no. watching it. Now it obviously, yeah, it, it, it pretty much puts it up on a T. But uh, back then I didn't have any idea no. what was going on. Right. I, uh, just, man, can you just, if you had to be sympathetic, you have to be sympathetic at some point with the, the, well, main protagonist, main antagonist with Angela, with Peter, um, what he, she went through. Yeah. During that time. Right. Right. All of those things. So you look back at from that perspective, like Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot to take in. I one of the first notes that I wrote after watching the movie was literally that was a lot to take in. Period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was my first note that I wrote. Yeah. Right. Um. Obviously, there was some campy stuff. Pardon the pun. Yeah. There was some cheesy stuff. There was some special effects, budget runs, all of these things. But deep down, you know, when looking at this from a, a really, really big deep dive, is you know the debilitating effects it takes on for people who, you know, have to uh, hide with, you know, denying or being forced to deny who they identify as. Exactly. You know, and And that's, yeah. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to, when we first started talking about, you know, what movies that we would like to do a movie and do a deep dive on it. And I don't remember who mentioned sleepaway camp, uh, but I thought it was okay. Um, Mm-hmm. That would be really interesting because it's not a good movie. It's uh, like it's like you said, it's low budget. It's horribly acted. Shit movie. Plot hole. Plot holes yeah. you could fly a plane through. But at the end of the day, look what we're talking about now. Look at the yeah. end. Look at the discussion we're having. So I thought it would be really an interesting look at how even you know the 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 most garbage movie could have an effect on you know an entire generation of people and entire genre. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah. I think it's worth watching, honestly, for everybody who's listening, just to go back and take a look and look at 1983 versus 2022. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Societal norms, taboo, what we talk about, how accepting we are as a society, where we should be as a society today, as opposed to what people thought of, you know, these issues back, you know, what, 39 years ago. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Jerry, you talk about how you should never watch this. We should never watch it from the fact of the shit that was in there of the killing no. and, you know, all oh, those no. things. The fact that we didn't understand yeah. the actual um, the thematic elements of what was actually happening in the film. And again, yeah. whether it was his, I, I didn't do a deep dive into what was behind his reasoning of doing the movie. And honestly, I don't no. think it was this. I don't think it was to have a lot of social commentary on it. Maybe it was, no. Um, you know, unintentional, or maybe it was right. intentional. I don't know, but you know what? All these years later, you've got cult following for this movie. Oh, for right? sure, for sure. He uh, apparently, I I did read a little bit on him. He, this was the only movie he directed. He went, he gave it up after that. He went into law, and it was only in the early two thousands where he got approached by, um, basically a bunch of nerds who loved the movie for you know all its campy glory i guess and then of course you know obviously the social commentary itself but it gained a cult following right and uh that's when he decided to get in he started talking about it and it was years a few years later where he decided to make a, a direct sequel yeah and uh i believe uh based on what i what i looked up he bought the rights back to um to the movie the movie series okay. oh wow so was yeah. the fourth one was the fourth one a little bit more serious? Because sec- the second second one was fairly serious. The third one was absolutely bonkers, goofy. There was uh, one. I think the last one I watched, I kind of got choked. It was with the one where she's got the backpack on the cover. And she's got the Freddy glove and the Jason mask. I'm like, no, pass. That was the, right? Yeah, I think that, that was the third one. No, that was the second. That was, was the, it? the second one. Yeah, it was called on uh, on Happy Campers. Yeah, the third one is the one where. Um, it's showing a tent and he's holding a knife in his hand. Okay. Right. So, and that's, yeah. that's basically return to sleepaway camp. Yeah. Well, so the there's... girl who plays older Angela in those movies, Pam Springsteen. I mean, she, she has still a, has a big following in, in the, you know, the slasher nerd culture. Yeah. Um, I think she's a photographer or something now. Some, you know, she's, um, daughter of Bruce Springsteen. What? You're not serious. Yeah. yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. She's the boss's daughter? Yes. Wow. I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost sure. I'm almost sure I read that somewhere. Hold on. It's a good thing we have one of these things called a, the internet. <laughs> Pam Springsteen, born yeah. in 1962. Relatives. Bruce Springsteen's her brother, not her father, her brother. Okay. The more you know, her brother. Yeah. Wow. My mind is blown. That's, that's the crazy. one sleepaway camp too, the Freddy glove and the Jason mask. That's I remember right. watching that two, yeah. when I was like, yeah, I was like 13, 14. And I was like, Oh, come on. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. I was like taking all the things I held near and dear to me and went, just had a big shit. <laughs> now there's an interesting movie. It's, it's more of a documentary, but it's called, uh, it came out in 2014 called at the waterfront after the social the legacy of sleepaway camp. Ooh. Oh, really? Available yeah. on what streaming service, Robin? It was a documentary about making of sleepaway camp. Shit. Where can so we, we find that? Get, 
We got to get in on that. We might I need will, to do a follow-up pod. Yes, I man. Will sh- I'll share it with our... Uh, share it with the group. Yeah, share the exactly. link. Yeah. Perfect. We'll tweet it out. Absolutely. I think for good reasons, this movie is probably taking on a lot of cult following. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you package it all up for what it is, like, you're, like you mentioned, it's a shit movie. Well, there's a lot more to talk about and the reason right. and here we are. Exactly. But uh, Aunt Martha, who's played by uh, Desiree Good, okay. she uh, she was a, in the late 70s, she was a nurse in One Life to Live. There you go. Oh, I just thought I would give her at least some kind of credit. She's a soap actress. Well, that she's does not a, she's surprise a, me much. There you go. <laughs> wow. Well, this go. has been, I'm sure, more, more of a, a deep dive than this movie deserves. Yeah. Um, or does it? Uh, why don't you tell us, listeners of Video Night? Uh, you can always reach us, as always, by email at videonightpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash videonightpod or on the Twitter box at videonight3. That's videonight and the number three. Uh, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have suggestions for future episodes, we're all ears. And let us know what you think about uh, Sleepaway Camp, if you've seen it or if we've inspired you to watch it, uh, what you thought of the movie and what you thought of the ending and the uh, and all the, the social commentary that, that goes along with it. Well, fellas, this has been a very, very fun time. <laughs> Absolutely. I thank you very much for... Uh, for putting the thought into this movie and, uh, and sharing it with, uh, with everybody listening. Did I kill your whiskey buzz? No. <laughs> well, yeah. Have when, you sobered? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Well, let's yeah. call this one fellas. And, uh, we will talk to you next time. So I've been Jerry. I've been Robin. I think I'm Rob. <laughs> and Kev has gone to hockey. We'll say goodnight for Kev. <laughs> So as always, be kind and please rewind. And we'll see you next time.